Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Let's Business. Today with me, I have Survi Talwar, co-founder of Happy Jars. Happy Jars is a health food brand with a range of natural peanut, almond and cashew nut butters. In this episode, we discuss Survi's journey in setting up a health food brand, establishing a supply chain for procuring quality ingredients and how to build a sticky customer base. I hope you will enjoy this episode. Hi Surbi, thank you so much for joining over at Plitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Ashish. Great. So Surbi, tell us, you know, what was the idea behind setting up uh, Happy Jars? Uh, so Happy Jars actually started in 2016 uh, as an idea that uh, Vikram had, who's my partner, and he's a horse rider. <laughs> so he used to ride a lot, uh, you know, three, four horses every morning, and then he used to gym as well. So fitness and protein and kind of eating right was always very important to him and he used to eat a lot of peanut butter for protein uh, because that was one of the things he had grown up eating from school so while he was uh, eating one of his regular jars one day he kind of noticed the ingredients and then he decided he wanted to try a natural brand so went out looking for one something Mm -hmm. that didn't have the kind of sugars and oils and unhealthy stuff in it but he couldn't really find anything in the supermarkets so that got him thinking you know maybe I'll make something at home so he tried something for himself, um, made his own recipe, and then we got a lot of good feedback from friends at that point in time. So he kind of got the idea that there's a potential gap in the market where you don't have a brand in this category that doesn't use sugar and oil. Um, mm-hmm. There were very few large national kind of players in the industry at the time. So he thought of setting up something small and uh, experimenting with it as a as a chota business. So that was uh, way back in 2016. Um mm-hmm. As a business, he tried it from then, but I think he really committed to it about two years back. And I joined him two years ago as well, running this full time. Um, so yeah, it's, it, that was the, the kind of idea came from a personal passion, I would say. Mm-hmm. And now it's grown into a business that we run together. So, so what sort of, how many SKUs currently you, do you have? We have a total of nine. And we make uh, peanut butter, almond butter, and cashew butter in some very different and exciting flavors. So we have um, jaggery sweetened peanut butter, which has no oil, no sugar, no preservatives. There's no added white sugar at all in any of our mm-hmm. products. We have uh, unsweetened almond and a dark chocolate almond as well, which are 80% nuts. So they're super healthy. Um, and they then have, of course, a chocolate flavor. And we use real chocolate. So uh, mm-hmm. all good ingredients. And then we have a cashew butter, which we launched very recently. And in the peanut butters, our most exciting, I think, is we have a chili chutney, savory peanut butter, which is meant for your eggs on toast or your, uh, you know, paneer sandwiches, poha, idli, all that kind of stuff. So. Oh, wow. So uh, if I can ask, which one is your best seller? <laughs> oh, best seller is actually still the jaggery crunchy. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's like your classic sweetened peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Um, the chocolate comes pretty close because there's a lot of people, me especially, who wanted to get away from your sugary chocolate spread, which I was eating very regularly before this. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that becomes a good uh, replacement uh, from the dark chocolate peanut. So those two are the best sellers. Right? Oh, wow. So how does, I mean, uh, it's very fascinating. So how does it typically work like in such products like if you're not putting any preservatives no added sugar etc uh, so does it reduce the shelf life or what is the impact on the shelf life 
No, actually, that was the thing that fascinated us when we started the business as well. So your shelf life of just the pure peanut that we have, the pure unsweetened uh, version of the peanut butter is also 12 months. So all our products are NABL lab certified and tested for a 12 month shelf life. And the reason they last is because the process that we use, which is something we've developed ourselves, mm-hmm. actually helps the oils from the nuts to self-preserve. So they don't go bad. Um, oh, you know, wow. They- there's no spoilage on that and of course all the jars are sealed as soon as they're manufactured so it stays for uh, 12 months and uh, without losing its quality of food oh wow so we were, no one else was doing that as well when we began <laughs> <laughs> that's very impressive so uh, yeah. so what are the so when starting this journey i mean definitely mentioned uh, back in 2016 it's so the idea sort of born out of passion but what has been the most uh, difficult aspect in running you know the startup uh, from hiring sales building network manufacturing production i mean what was the sort of a bottleneck or what was the most difficult uh, task you saw when setting up this business Well, I think startups in general are uh, uh, a difficult business to get into. Um, mm-hmm. Both Vikram and I are from jobs and MNC kind of backgrounds where we worked for ten, twelve years before we went into the startup world. So we had a fair experience of the kind of chaos or the kind of processes that you see in a regular company. Mm-hmm. But I think working in a startup and running a startup, especially, just makes you realize that it takes a lot to have a steady ship. right mm-hmm. and i think the hardest part is actually managing the fact that you have constantly moving parts and how do you keep them in sync to face one direction and keep moving forward so some of our biggest challenges like you were asking was you know you want to make a good quality product and you need good ingredients mm-hmm. but then the supply side of that is that you have to have very high volumes mm-hmm. so how do you make a good quality product with the right ingredients but not you know have all your cash stuck in kind of bags and bags and bags of ingredients at one point in time mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you have enough in the order but you don't want to order too much also so there's a balance that you need to have there mm-hmm. um then you know things like how do you like you said hiring as well how do you get someone at when you're so early mm-hmm. in a startup how do you get someone else to believe your vision and your passion and get them to commit at such an early stage as well so that of course is um i mean it, it's exciting for the other person as well to build something from scratch um but those are the kind of starting hiccups i guess that you get as a startup and sales of course you know the toughest part i think is how do you find your paying customers mm-hmm. um, but that has to be focused from day one so we were kind of sure that we uh, that we focused on that one thing continuously is finding the right customer and keeping the quality of the product uh, so that's very interesting so i'll touch upon two aspects of the first is i think uh, i i meet like lot of budding entrepreneurs someone looking to start in such segments you know the always the thing which sort of comes up is uh, how do you you know build such supply chain robust supply chain i'm sure in covid time also and we'll talk later on what was the impact in terms of procurement if i can ask so in terms of any challenges which you face or how do you currently procure your uh, ingredients or the raw material So we started very differently and how we procure now is very different. So earlier we didn't even try to get into a solid supply chain because we were still experimenting with the product. Hmm. And because it's our own recipe and there weren't any brands at least at that time that you could kind of follow, you know, there wasn't like three four brands that you could say oh let's do it like these guys are. Mm-hmm. Um 
had to develop everything from the beginning and we found multiple suppliers of different things but we were very very hands on in terms of checking what nut works best and so we didn't go with there was no predefined industry kind of mm-hmm. method to follow but as we grew we realized and covid taught us that as well is that uh, you literally can't have all your eggs in one basket mm-hmm. because when there's when the other side can't control what happens which is what happened during the pandemic mm-hmm. you can't have your business and your customers suffer because of that so the robustness of the supply chain is actually having multiple sources that can deliver the same quality that you need mm-hmm. um at the time that you need them to so that's something that we've had to build over time and of course that comes with trust and having a supplier that can um deliver to your standards time and again uh but it is difficult it's one of the hardest things i think when we started is to not have an, a minimum order quantity but still be able to get a good quality true 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 i think maintaining the quality and of the ingredients is uh, absolutely a crucial aspect i can imagine and what yeah, about a lot of our ingredients were branded you know because we couldn't solve that challenge we actually used to buy branded stuff we still do in some cases because we want the best quality we want to make sure someone else is taking responsibility for mm-hmm. that quality which a brand will do so okay so so what sort of brand if if i can ask in terms of uh, uh ingredients or raw material or is it a specific uh, state you procure from or typical particular brand so, or something it's not a brand so nuts of course agri products is mm-hmm. a difficult problem to solve in any case so agriculturally there aren't any brands as such so we buy from mainly gujarat and rajasthan and gujarat is one of the largest producers of peanuts across the world almost um oh really so, yeah the nuts come from there a lot of it also gets exported mm-hmm. so um, the nut quality is what we focus on checking so the supplier of course we have specific suppliers we get it from but also we're very conscious of the kind of grade that we get and there's other parameters of the product itself that we mm-hmm. check for when we get it wow wow um so how do you how do you manage i think supply is definitely one piece of it but how do you get you know how uh, initial customers on boarded when you launch the brand right i think i can imagine uh, being that one piece a very tricky piece in terms of how do you get your first customer and grow from there right yeah so for us it was a tough uh start also because we actually well we were customers ourselves and it came out of a personal need mm. so it was about finding more people that hadn't discovered that you could have a healthier version of peanut butter um and there was a there was a very small market at that time but we went after them like with a very targeted focus i would say so it is a health and focus a health and fitness focused uh, product range mm-hmm. and the idea is to find people who appreciate that already so it was about talking to people about the protein angle about the health angle about the no oil no sugar no chemicals at all kind of angle um and then being able to deliver a value to that so we had a lot of sampling and trials as well in fact peak pre covid we had a very good sample rate to purchase rate so almost 85% of the people that could try something at a store level would end up buying the jar oh um, so the well, taste you know yeah. so do you have uh, retail outlets as well uh we don't have our own but mm-hmm. we stock in grocery stores across um, delhi ncr and we supply to grocery stores across india ah okay so it's mostly partnership driven uh in offline space and anything in online space which you are specifically doing which has worked for uh, you well 
well online of course covid has helped to make the online space much bigger in terms of proportion of sale mm-hmm. but on online we're on all your usual suspects so your amazon we're on flipkart we're on um, big basket milk basket and we have our own website as well through which we sell okay wow uh, so that's very interesting so in terms of this particular market you mentioned uh, when you started out it was very niche right so how do you currently position your brand uh, so we actually focus on being all about uncomplicating food mm-hmm. so happy jars is about using ingredients that you would be able to almost eat raw you know so you can eat chocolate raw right mm-hmm. so we use chocolate uh, we don't use a chemical version of chocolate which is what um many times packaged food is known for is that you end up substituting real ingredients for um other versions of them but we believe in actually using the simplest ingredient possible so our products usually have between 3 to 4 ingredients so our um dark chocolate almond butter for example has just almonds dark chocolate and jaggery and that's it there's nothing else in there um so we're a health and fitness focused food brand which basically uses ingredients that are good for you that are real that taste good um and we we are the kind of brand where the taste is so amazing that you almost don't believe that it's also healthy <laughs> i am eagerly waiting you know so <laughs> to try it out <laughs> after hearing so much yes <laughs> so so i mean i was not aware there is a thing called chemical chocolate so can you can you elaborate a little bit like what what does what does it mean so it's not chemical chocolate to per se it's like saying that you know if you want to have lower calories in sugar you can use a substitute for sugar uh-huh. you don't have to use white refined sugar you don't have to use jaggery you can find another way to reduce the calories in sugar but still get a sweetness essentially so that's the kind of things that we've not used so far because we believe that you can use a jaggery you know for jaggery mm. for us is a very important ingredient and we use that for sweetness very often so it's a in ingredient that has its own health benefits as well and it just gives it a really good taste uh, in terms of the final product uh okay so something like let's say in sort of like uh, not using syrups like the other brands sort of use sugar syrups or something uh, yeah so so far we've not used chemical um, mm-hmm. syrups or chemical sweeteners okay. of any kind okay great so uh, so uh, so we tell me a little bit about how you how do you plan to sort of expand you know have you raised funds you are looking to raise funds what is your uh, current thought process on this particular topic yeah. uh, so we are looking to raise funds i think all startups are always looking to raise <laughs> <laughs> it is an ever going process right <laughs> exactly and then once it starts it never stops um so but we are looking to scale i mean for us i think aggressive mm-hmm. scale is something that's been on the cards for a while and now mm-hmm. it got paused this year actually because of the way that covid hit the market but mm. um, it's something that we're now looking to do um, in the very near future so we would like to expand across channels we would like to have an expanded customer base of course so mm-hmm. yeah all good things are on the cards Okay. Okay. And what sort of uh, mix you're looking at uh, in terms of expanding more in online space, offline space, or sort of a blended omni-channel strategy? Like, what's your thought process on that? So we would like to keep it blended and omni-channel in that sense that mm-hmm. we would like to be in both physical stores as well as on online. But of course, the proportions are determined by the market, right? So over the last, let's say, nine months, uh, we've automatically seen sales go. more towards online than they have been in retail mm-hmm. but we have also kept supply for retail because there are customers everywhere 
so it's for us to make sure that customers get the product that they love where they shop so that's a commitment that we will keep to okay and uh, any new interesting product coming out soon <laughs> <laughs> There's always something cooking in the kitchen, uh, so yeah, we do have launches uh, in line. Hopefully, some of them will be very soon. So okay, okay, I'll keep my eye on your Instagram and website for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, so uh, tell me, sort of a little bit. You know, uh, I think the pandemic was a big bummer for all businesses around the globe, and I mean, it sort of uh, made shift. You know. gravitated everyone towards technology using technology in terms of different different ways so uh, how, what was the impact of covid on your business and i mean how did you sort of uh, turn around you know this as a opportunity well covid has been really hard i think the last 9 months both from a mentally being able to handle the pressures of a market that's down on all fronts mm-hmm. not just on sales but also on morale on sentiment mm-hmm. um so it's taken its toll on businesses across the board and i think people who work on the floor of the business as well as people who run the business everyone's been kind of impacted in some way or the other mm-hmm. um for us the biggest thing that i think kept us going was uh, when the first lockdown was uh, announced it was a choice between shutting down which some businesses didn't have a choice they had to shut down but as a food business we kind of got the choice of you know can you continue mm-hmm. uh, and in that case can you fight hard to get the licenses and the permissions that you needed because there was a lot of running around to police stations and things like that that was required as well mm-hmm. um but we kind of took the call that we didn't want to stop because uh, it just wasn't an option for us you know we have staff that relies on um the salaries from here to run families mm-hmm. and it was just something decided we couldn't afford to do at that point in time so we had to work around much smaller team sizes we had to have very very few people coming in and because of that everyone had to do you know a lot of other people's jobs as well so i think we were all pulling more than our due weight mm-hmm. um but we all kept going kind of through that first 3 4 3 months was the hardest time um and like you mentioned earlier as well the supply issues was something that we just couldn't help mm. uh, there were trucks that couldn't get through there was raw material that was stuck in places mm. uh, and and you can't ask anyone for help because literally everyone is in that situation so that was a tough part True. but um, to our kind of uh, advantage i think we were very very honest with our customers you know so we actually at one point in time we ran out of labels so we had jars and we had ready jars but we didn't have labels oh. because uh, <laughs> there were no people allowed to open you know mm-hmm. there were just printers to function so we called people and asked them like listen i'm sorry i know you ordered this but i don't have a label do you mind if i send it to you labellessly <laughs> you saw that it's coming from my factory and i made it but uh, and you people were so kind you know mm. they were just they said absolutely no problem please go ahead and i know that it's happy jars and i trust you guys so um i think there was a lot of very good support and a lot of encouragement that we got from Uh, our customers as well as from our suppliers and of course the people that work with us were fantastic um so that itself has helped to turn things around uh, for us and to keep us going and now post the last 9 month things are improving mm-hmm. um they're almost kind of pre covid level but of course now we work with a lot more physical distance and we have a lot more safety precautions though we already had as a food business there's al- always a lot of precautions in any case um but we've kind of adapted to the new changes as well mm-hmm. so it's looking up 
okay up and looking mm-hmm. <laughs> no definitely i think uh, it was a, a test for i think all entrepreneurs also all businesses to make a difficult call you know either to shut down doors or continue and sort of come mm-hmm. out of it i think uh, i think you did a brilliant job uh, in managing the situation for sure uh, how how does how does the uh, i think uh, definitely i mean the sales must have shifted from offline to online channels but moving forward like now i think when the markets are a little bit open footfalls are happening uh, what sort of proportions do you see like offline is also picking up or it's still predominantly online no offline is picking up um, and we have the same kind of sales as we used to have pre covid in fact a little bit more perhaps on the retail channel mm-hmm. because people are maybe shopping for slightly different things because they've also been exposed to different things in the last few months mm-hmm. um but e-commerce force is performing and is outperforming i would say compared to what it was doing before so we are continuing scaling across both retail as well as uh, online platforms for ourselves okay and do you uh, i forgot to ask so do you also provide like delhi and so for sure but uh, in pan india uh, are you available like what is the sort of the logistics in terms of your manufacturer in your uh, uh, delhi offices or in supply it's like a hub and spoke model or how is it it uh, so we supply everything from delhi mm-hmm. we manufacture everything ourselves here and then we supply it across and we use um, various logistics relationships to get those across so in e-commerce of course we have logistics partners we've tied up with and for retail stores right now we're shipping directly from delhi mm-hmm. but we are looking to open relationships in other cities as well okay 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 perfect perfect uh so uh sir so if if you were to sort of uh, uh start the thing uh, all over again if i can say so you know if you were to start now something uh, after having the entire experience of setting up uh, supply chains getting the customer on board building the product uh, delivering all different products Uh, what would you have done differently you know if you were looking back now in time uh, what were the few couple of things you would have said no 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 this is not these were the few things i would have done for sure like totally completely different way or this is what i learned during this process oh that's such a hard question <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i've become a grandmother in terms of wisdom now <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, and I think the pandemic added to that. Actually, I think we learned a lot very fast mm-hmm. um, last nine months. But uh, I think one thing, if there was one thing I would do differently, and not like a specific thing that I wouldn't do or, mm-hmm. or that I would do, but I think I would just be a little bit more aggressive, maybe from day one, mm-hmm. because when when especially for us, because we started as experienced people, right? We were not, you know, young, fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. we had already worked and we'd already experienced salaries when we started and kind of quit great salaries to take up a entrepreneurship um it was um, it was i think the toughest part was for us to convince ourselves that we should have the confidence to get this done mm. um we knew we could we knew we had the ambition mm-hmm. but it took time for us to start getting aggressive on actually you know putting our money where our mouth is and saying look this is this is the new launch or this is a new thing that we've started or this is the new city we've approached etc so i think maybe we would have taken more shots right at the beginning so aggressive um, aggressive in terms of sales or aggressive in terms of building the operations or uh, what sort of uh, aspect 
so I think operations and operations are built as we scale. So mm-hmm. our point of view on that is that you you bite off as much as you can chew, right? Mm-hmm. And you you invest as much as you need at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something we've always been very sensible about as a team. But I think aggressive in terms of uh, you know jumping at the next opportunity mm-hmm. and seeing how big it can be. Mm-hmm. We played it perhaps a little safer because we were coming from experienced working backgrounds as opposed to just saying, you know, let's put everything in and then we'll see where it goes. Mm. Um, so I would say being more aggressive in terms of just moving to suss out new opportunities and see how big they can get, how fast. And if something doesn't work, then pull out and that's fine. Mm. Um, but really go guns blazing on on certain things. So now, for example, you'll see us launching products very fast. Mm. You'll see us uh, getting into new markets very fast mm-hmm. because we've got the stability of a well-run business. Mm-hmm. Um if I could have had that in hindsight, <laughs> I would have had the aggression without the stability from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it worked well for us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one thing we could have done more of. Definitely, I think uh, that's uh, very crucial, you know, uh, to have that sort of uh, uh, appetite, risk appetite or the aggression. I mean, definitely depends uh, different uh, founders to founder you're coming from an experienced mm-hmm. background so maybe that was the reason you held back a little bit uh, mm-hmm. uh, so what will be sort of uh, your suggestion you know there are many I, I see a lot of uh, budding entrepreneurs starting business in this particular segment so in terms of where they're launching different different food products uh, trying to sell sort of a in a D2C direct-to-consumer model through websites or through other channels where people are trying to experiment very, very fascinating products like yours. So what will be your suggestions in terms of uh, people just starting out, you know? So I think the advice doesn't change over all the generations of startup founders. (laughs) (laughs) I think it just gets more and more uh, important to listen to that because if you see the worlds of startups right now, you'll feel like, there's a lot of money floating around and you know the, all they're waiting for is a good idea mm. um, but I just feel that uh, there's two things that you have to have complete control over and the first one is your finances and the second one is your customer so if anyone is starting up I would say the first thing you have to do is know every single expense where you spend every rupee to know whether what you're building is sustainable or not um, and if you manage the finance part of it carefully, you manage how much is coming in and going out, mm-hmm. then the rest of it is um, is about being able to push. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from a customer angle, you should know who is buying you, why are they buying you, um, and where can you get them to buy more of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a finances perspective, it's equally important to control where your costs come from, where your sales come from, etc. So I think if you have a balance and a control on both of those things, uh, then you'll be successful at whatever you do. And if you realize you're not as successful as you hoped, then you will have control on your finances to know that, okay, maybe it's time for me to pivot or change or, mm. or figure something out. I think that's a very excellent point because ultimately all business is uh, about survival, right? If you're able to see the sunshine of the next day, I mean, there will be many opportunities which will definitely will keep coming. You can try different product, you can pivot, etc. But yeah, the survival needs to be in place or as you said, you know, if you know your cash flow better or the finance, how how things are looking at, then you can take the right uh, sort of uh, calls. Uh, Absolutely, and so many businesses over the the, la- the during the pandemic as well have, have had to pivot mm. because you know they saw an opportunity, and I think it's phenomenal to see the kinds of things people are doing now compared to what they were doing or what they ever imagined they would do before. Mm-hmm. 
so you know perhaps the next few years are even more lucrative to start up because we we've been through what we would never have imagined having to go through and we've come out stronger so mm-hmm. that says a lot for the startup community i think yes uh, wonderful wonderful survey i think that was uh, an excellent insight i think i'm sure it will be uh useful to the listeners also uh, someone looking to start uh, a brand in, in this particular segment in journal so uh, thank you so much for it was just wonderful to have you over you thank you so much for your time and thank you for having me and i hope it does help and if anyone you know if you or anyone else wants to reach out i'm always available so yes just drop us a message on instagram and i will be in touch definitely Thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh we will be back with more interesting episodes soon. Stay tuned.